Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. On episode 73, we explore When Evil Lurks, the new film by Demian Rugna. I'm J.R. Forresteros. I'm Amanda Forresteros. And I'm Adriana Mesquiti. Our co-host Mo is violently ill, and that's all he wanted me to say about that. Do you think um, that he's embichado? <laughs> no, I, it doesn't sound like it. It actually just sounds unpleasant. So... Oh, okay. And this was supposed to be our Five Nights at at Freddy's episode, but what happened, y'all? You tell us. You watched it. Well, I did watch it. Here's what actually happened. The early reviews came out, and they were universally abysmal. And so I sent a (laughs) message to our group chat that said, hey, this does not look like a movie we will enjoy. And half of us already deeply hated uh, the movie we reviewed next week. Spoilers, Willy's Wonderland. Uh, So what if we just took a miss on this one? And I was met with a resounding apathy. So we decided to not watch that and instead watch something else. And Adriana, you recommended that we cover When Evil Lurks by friend of the podcast, Demian Rugna, uh, because it's the movie he was presenting while y'all interviewed him. So we decided to watch that instead. And I personally think that was a good decision. I actually haven't even seen it because JR watched it. Uh, it being Five Nights at Freddy's. Not- five ni- yes, Five Nights at Freddy's because he watched it while I was at work. Once the decision had been I made agree. in the group chat, which I will say happened all while I was at work and checked the chat. And by the <laughs> I saw the chat, the chat was like, well, We've canceled the tickets. Let's do something else. Let's make a plan, which is totally <laughs> fine. Uh, I'm happy for people to make that decision because uh, then Friday afternoon, I had the unique pleasure of getting to hear JR share about how really, really, really bad Five Nights at Freddy's was. And I, even though I'm like team PETA for life, I'm very, I'm, I'm like sad that it sucked so bad, but also I'm so thankful we didn't have to watch that stinker. Have either of you looked at yeah. my Facebook uh, wall this afternoon? I have not. I have so not. I, no. I posted my review haiku of Five Nights at Freddy's and a bunch of people, like more people have commented on this one than any review haiku I've done recently. And they've all said my fill in the blank teenage teenager loved this movie. Oh boy. I mean, right. I do see, I do see my, my 17 year old enjoying this movie because he was a fan when he was a kid. He also does not know good movies in general. So Sick teenagers, burn. I mean, you know, he, uh, he liked uh, the boogeyman. So that's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, but I mean, after I heard your very detailed review the other night, I was happy that I did not spend an hour and a half watching this one. Yeah. And you gave it a D, which one person said that that was generous. Correct. To even give it a D, which is... Listen, Josh Hutcherson did a great job and the production values were great. The animatronic things looked great. And the whole... like I. 
at the beginning of the movie when they were kind of you're kind of doing the you know camera walkthrough of five nights at freddy's i keep i kept thinking like wow like i would just love to interview the person who was in charge of production design you know like they did such a good job of making this feel not just like a real kids restaurant but a real kids restaurant that's been shuttered for a decade you know and that like that's not nothing so yeah a d right it was incredibly boring, and I think Willy's Wonderland did everything that this movie did not do. Exorcist Believer versus Five Nights at Freddy's. So here's the thing. I actively hate Exorcist Believer. <laughs> it's active still. <laughs> I was just bored by Five Nights at Freddy's. I will also say this. I think The Exorcist is one of the most interesting horror films ever made. And when you make a direct sequel to it that seems to so completely misunderstand the point of the assignment, I think you lose extra points. I don't have any attachment to the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise of video games. Uh, Apparently, there's also novels. This is something I learned on my Facebook wall. Cool. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, like, I, I, you know, whatever, like it was a dumb, bad video game adaptation. Like that's par for the course, right? Like when a video game adaptation is good, that's surprising. So, okay, so take away your love for the original Exorcist. And we're just talking about scary movies we've seen in 2023. And you hate it, believer. Let's just say there is no The Exorcist. And this is a movie that you're comparing to yeah but that's not that's not a thing right like no movie exists in a vacuum i think both of these movies are bad in their own ways i think exorcist bungles its assignment more thoroughly than five nights at freddy's does right but what if we have listeners that haven't seen the exorcist the original exorcist yeah but i don't know why they would be seeing a sequel i mean why not Weirder it's not things even, have it's, happened, JR. Weirder yeah. things have happened. I'm saying, I'm saying if you're thinking what scary movie should I watch, Exorcist Believer or Five Nights at Freddy, I'm gonna say go ahead and watch When Evil Lurks. Yeah, that's what I was actually just gonna <laughs> oh, say. Okay, well that's either that's what of we're them, there for. So yeah. And just <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and watch the movie we're about to cover because who boy is spooky. That's a cop out, but I'm gonna take it. I'm it's okay. Uh no, I'm just saying, like, don't make it's like saying, like, do you wanna eat poop? Or do you want to eat rotting trash? It's like, neither? Can I just eat something good? Um, oh, I don't know that that was, <laughs> I don't know that it was that deep, but okay, you're right. Don't watch either. <laughs> so when evil lurks, first shutter original that is a Spanish language film. And I'm curious, as the two mm-hmm. fluent Spanish speakers on our podcast, what was it like watching the film in this uh, very Argentine Spanish for you? You're obviously asking yourself and me, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. We I was just going to say that's so kind of you to actually <laughs> reference people other than your fluent self. Well, I didn't want to I didn't want to hog the whole show. So <laughs> thank you, um, Amanda. Go ahead. Yeah. Who I um, I will say that even though the subtitle the subtitler, I don't know, the person who was in charge of the subtitles did not do the most fantastic job in like direct uh-uh. translations of stuff. I am deeply grateful that that the subtitles existed because I would say the first several sentences between the brothers at the beginning of the film, I was like, this isn't Spanish. 
I don't know what this is. I don't know yep. the words they're saying. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I thought I was fluent in Spanish. I had like major imposter syndrome. Like, uh, yeah, I just, I, I went through a mini crisis and then I was like, oh wait, <laughs> I do, under- I have understood a number of words, but man, their accents are just so different and they're very mumbly and whew, it was rough. It was a rough time, but I'm also not a native speaker. So I was like a little bit more kind to myself, but still feeling pretty rough. Well, I'm not a native Argentinian speaker, but um, I think I told you before you watched it uh, that I looked over at Jeff and said, "Um, I think my brain is having a hard time processing this Spanish (laughs) because I have no idea what they're saying. And Spanish is my first language. I spoke Spanish only until the second grade. And I, it's, it's almost like my brain was like, no, we have no idea what this is. Read the subtitles. And then suddenly it, it clicked, but it took at least 60 seconds for my brain to, to fully come to terms with like, oh, Argentinian Spanish. Okay. Gotcha. And then as the movie went on language wise, like I, um, I started to understand I, I was like, okay, this is the slang. These are the words. But then I'm trying to read the subtitles, which I shouldn't have because I'm understanding the Spanish. And I was like, what? What is happening? <laughs> what is what? What is this? This is not correct. Well, and we're going to get into it in a moment. But I think there were a couple of translation choices that were made that you two clarified for me that I really feel like changed what I understood was happening in the film itself. So I'm, I'm really interested in what some English language fans might lose from what Rugna put into the script, you know? Okay. Do you, do you have an example of what? um... Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about the monster, right? Uh, This is being called a possession flick, like where it's being advertised and where it's being Mm -hmm. talked about. And the main word that gets used here uh, is translated in the subtitles as the possessed ones, which already is a weird English phrase. Um, Mm -hmm. That, uh, again, as someone who I don't know Spanish very well, but, you know, knowing Greek, Latin, German, some of those other ones, like that is a a kind of English phrase that gets used to capture a, a form of speech that other languages use a lot more than we do. But I asked right. you, Adriana, after you, cause you and I got to see the movie when it was in theaters, we didn't see it at the same time, but uh, we, right. saw it, we saw it while it was in its, it's very limited theatrical run. Um, and I asked you what the word that kept getting used there was. And you said it was this word in uh, Embichado, so, yes. So uh, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that word, and why possessed one is probably not a very good translation of it. So the word itself, bicho, which is in in that long word, embichado, bicho it's the root, is yeah. yeah, it's a bug. It is a, like a like some sort of insect or parasite. So they're using embichado. Um, as someone who is parasitic um someone who's been taken over right infested so the embichado is infested um so what they what a possessed person is is embichado is someone who is infested uh rotting covered in in flies or bugs or or insects parasites um 
And that's the main word that they were using. But I did see when I did a little bit of research that the word encarnado, which is another word that they used during the movie when they were talking about anyone who was possessed, um, it is a word that's used. And I've I've not heard that word as a spiritual takeover, but that's what they that the translation uh, in Argentina is a um, like taking form of a spiritual being um, or something immaterial, which is spiritual, not uh, rather than physical. Um, and for me, encarnado is something that. Um, like if, if you have something implanted in you and it becomes kind of entangled in your own tissue and you're, you're in your skin, that's encarnado. Um, so when you know that that's what those two words like, uh, or that's like, uh, just the Spanish definition, but then that's the Argentinian definition to what we're looking at a possessed person. It's really dark and gross and creepy and gory. So it does help to see that it's not just the possessed one because they're using very intense language to um, when they speak about these people. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say it's like very visceral, right? Like you imagine yes. rotting meat, like maggots crawling around and creeping out and creepy crawlies Ugh. and that kind of thing. And then with Encarnado, yeah. like that, I mean... I'm sure JR can speak to this more just since he's a pastor, but that like, I, I imagine that the that's where like incarnate comes from. So like carne means meat, but it's like also, yes. yeah, us being like meat sacks, flesh, like infleshed <laughs> or whatever, right? Like that. Yeah, infleshed the, is basically what, what exactly. it, yeah. What yeah. It is. So in Christian theology, when theologians talk about the second person of the Trinity becoming human, Christmas, Jesus, all of that. We use yeah. the word incarnation, which which comes from Latin, but it, it literally theologians will will to sort of make it gooey and weird and help you not forget it. They call it the inmeetment of Jesus. Gross. Right. It's but it, but it, it is that. That's it's, it. <laughs> it's it's the spiritual becoming enfleshed, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I thought it was. I would have loved if instead of possessed ones, they would have called them the infested. Mm -hmm. I think that was a much more elegant English choice that gets at how unique this kind of monster is from uh, what we see like in a film like The Exorcist or Exorcist Believer, right? Well, and it um, would be an accurate translation. Right. <laughs> well, word. that's what I mean, right? right? Like, I, I, yeah. think it, I think it says a lot more than possessed. Um, it's a little bit more specific in a weird way. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, I didn't even pick up on the incarnation language the first time through. And I don't I'd have to go back. I watched it twice and I only pinged it the second time because Amanda perked up and said, oh, incarnato. Um, so yeah. so I, I'd really like to go back and check what the so I'll have to watch it again. No, thank um, you. <laughs> I would great. say watch it again, because the second time that I saw it, uh, which was just an hour ago, um, because I needed to to freshen up on it, right? Um, I they used embichado and then encarnado in the same sentence when they're you know they're, when they're speaking about it they they say oh embichado and then encarnado like the same person within the same sentence and on the translation it just says possessed both times and I was like they're using wow. two words wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, so again, I just, I, I was really glad to be able to discuss this movie with fluent Spanish speakers. Um, because again, I think, I think there's some interesting stuff going on that the subtitle work doesn't really hit on. And I thought, I thought it was helpful. Uh, what were your overall thoughts before we dive into spoiler territory? So Adriana, you've seen it twice. You saw it on the big screen and you saw it at home. Uh, what, do you, yes. what are your overall thoughts on this film? Um, well, I do want to say that I didn't even think about um, until just now when you when you mentioned it about how different those words hit when you know the actual translation. And you're absolutely right. I know that we're very focused on these two words, but they do hit differently when you understand how uh, how deep and how disgusting and and gory they are in speaking about someone who's possessed rather than just like a spiritual possession. Um, they do make a huge difference. I think my overall take on the movie is, I mean, this, this is dark. This is scary. This is very well-written. And I just want to remind everyone, if you didn't hear our episode, when we interviewed Demian, he makes a comment and he says, I don't really see myself as a horror film director. Demian, buddy. You are, horror... <laughs> you are a horror film director. You have made one of the scariest movies that I have ever seen. And it was done so well. And if you don't like reading subtitles, get over it. Watch this movie because it is so good and it is dark and you're not going to sleep. If you're a horror fan, you cannot live without watching this movie because it is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, there's not much I would say to add to that other than, yeah, it freaking ruled. It was terrifying. I definitely had nightmares from it um, that I was both an envichada and also that like everyone around <laughs> me was. It was terrible. Uh, and I couldn't wake myself up out of the dream. It was truly, uh, truly terrifying. Uh, but I will also say, too, just as like a Spanish nerd, I kind of want to go and watch the movie again. I know this is a shocker because I don't actually want to see it again because it's too scary, but and put Spanish subtitles on and see like, oh, just if they if they were actually accurate and stuff, too, you know, just because I'm an old yeah. these days and I, I actually prefer to watch all of my things with subtitles like of the language that they're speaking in typically. Uh, well, if I'm fluent in that language, um, so it would be a really fascinating experiment. So maybe the next time I'm willing to do that is when there are <laughs> Spanish subtitles so yeah. i can distract myself and totally nerd out but yes well you guys will have to watch them separate so that jr can yeah. read the english subtitles and then catch the different times that they say those words right. and how they just use the one very lazy cheap translation of possession and then you're right i didn't even think about watching it with uh, spanish subtitles mostly because i hate watching it because i'm because i'm reading them so i'm missing some of the movie because i'm reading even if i understand the language i'm just going to be reading them but um it it would be interesting to see if they use the actual um i guess everything that they're saying if it's actually going into the subtitles or if they're switching it up in spanish as well yeah definitely but yes, it freaking ruled. What do you think, Jr.? Yeah, this movie is easily in my top five for the year. It's climbing up. Uh, rewatching it mo Same. moved it even higher. Um, it's it is smart. It is original. It is really, really, really scary. Uh, I, I would just be really surprised if someone who was looking for a great horror movie didn't love this. Um, it's man, it is, and it's. I will say this too. 
I experienced this on my own and then I experienced it watching it as my second watch through with several people who were seeing it for the first time. It drops you into a world that is recognizably ours, but with some key differences and it does not explain anything. It doesn't hold your hand. Uh, it just expects you to figure it out. And it does a great job of parceling out that information in ways that I found really clever and really effective. Uh, and I think it, it even that, unsettles you in the beginning because everyone else seems to know what's going on and you don't and you feel like you're missing something uh and maybe you are <laughs> so yeah yeah this this is easily going to make my end of the year best of list both for horror and i think just films overall it's an incredibly well-made film and yeah i i just cannot believe that rugna has only made a couple of features and and this is already so good so um yeah uh, any any other final mi- overall thoughts before we get into spoilers? Mm-mm. Let's do it. All right. Well, here are spoilers for When Evil Lurks starting right now. So again, I, I mentioned already, like there's this whole world of infested that seems to already be happening. And I'm curious what about the world building stood out to you? Uh, was it the cleaners and these esoteric machines? Was it these rules that everyone seems to know? Was it the, you know, the church being a complete, you know, non-factor? Again, Damien said he was not a, a horror film director, but he has done something with this, uh, even the short, right? Like you have to create the world around this story so that it's as captivating as everything else that's going on. Um, I think the way he built it in this very small town, I think that visually, even when they're out there, um, let's say, for example, the scene where the 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 main guy the head honcho that that owns all the land the rich guy right he Ruiz. goes up and he's yeah uh Reese is like looking at his uh at his goats everything about what you're seeing about how isolated they are and how at just how big everything looks like there's so much so much land there's these massive fields and all these animals, but at the same time, it's like it's so, so small because it's just right there and it's happening to them. Thinking about all that, putting all that together and not making this like in a big city uh, where lots of people like it, it, just the way that he created this very isolated incident in the middle of nowhere in Argentina makes it so much scarier. And I know that I should probably be more afraid of this happening in a really big city where lots of people are infested and things get crazy but this just being so isolated from everything else makes it so terrifying to me especially when they go to the cops and they're like hey man this is happening you need to help us there's a dude he's infested we asked for help a year ago nothing's been done and the cops are like man go home go take care of your sheep figure shit out on your own we're not going to do this no one's believing them they're alone they're breaking every rule and it's just scary to be in the middle of nowhere while all of this is happening mm-hmm. so this world i mean everything that the the tools the cleaners had i mean those were so um intricate and elaborate 
And I wanted to see them used. I wanted mm-hmm. to see that. I wanted like, what are they? Doing? They're like twisting all these things together. They're like putting this like box together. Why are there two of these boxes? Where does one get this kit? Right. <laughs> um, and then it's not used. I'm like, uh, wait, how was that supposed to destroy this thing? Or I guess the word that they use is um, perform an abortion before the son of Satan comes into existence. Mm-hmm. And that, look, that shit is terrifying. Mm-hmm. That shit is terrifying. We didn't see it. We didn't see all these cool, very old world tools being used to to perform this abortion of this demon. And I'm still very curious as to how was that supposed to happen? And damn, the man really like uh, left us on a cliffhanger that's not really a cliffhanger because you know that that was it, right? So yeah, yeah. I think that there could very easily be uh, like a very fascinating or interesting prequel, uh, maybe mm-hmm. from Mirta, like when she and her husband were out, you know, exercising all sorts of. not necessarily exercising them, but aborting them, right? Or uh, very much sequel worthy where we could see Ambichados ending up in like a big urban center. But I think you're right. The scenery itself uh, was really vast, but also kind of claustrophobic in some ways. You know, they felt kind of trapped uh, and isolated from the rest of the world. And I, I mean... I think it would be really interesting to to go back and interview him and ask him about what are the parallels that he's drawing there between what's going on in Argentina or the history of Argentina and that kind of stuff, just because I think that he really loves his country and wants to I agree. Uh, make film, obviously, a more integral part of, of Argentina. Like, oh, yeah, Argentina is known for so many great films and whatever, but also clearly there's some sort of influence there. Uh, I do also find that it's fascinating. I was just thinking about this, how closely these sort of like possessed ones and bichados encarnados are also like very zombie adjacent, but not fully zombie, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are a lot of overlaps there. Like the way that you kill them is by, well, (laughs) obviously with zombies, you shoot them in the head or you shoot them and destroy their brain multiple times. Uh, But yeah, there's just, there's some interesting parallels there. uh, And yet also some things that are vastly different and, and completely terrifying. So another translation thing, which I didn't catch again until the second time through was that, um, they describe Mirta's husband as a shepherd in the subtitles, but he's a pa- he was a pastor. He ran a church, and they they were frauds. They they hired people to pretend to be sick and get healings, which is something that actually happens in a lot of the Pentecostal kinds of churches. And the very first infested that ever showed up in Buenos Aires was at their church apparently Mm -hmm. right and and so again you talk about a prequel right this like yeah when these things first started showing up so great there was also this really interesting suggestion that they're an urban problem right and uh uh, some friends that we watched it with that when i saw the second time amanda's first time uh we were talking about like what is the setting right because it was like rural argentina and i was saying to me it reads like somewhere like rural Montana, you know, where the, the state capitals like under a hundred thousand people. And if you're six hours from that, like you just don't bother with, you know, the, the sheriff has like a 300 square mile, you know, 
uh, area to patrol and and that kind of stuff. And and so, yeah, they just they don't worry about authorities. They handle their own problems. They don't think about what's happening in New York or Los Angeles or, you know, the big cities, because that's like so far removed from their lives. Right. And that's kind of how it felt that they were just so far removed that maybe it's not actually that uncommon that a state official might take more than a year to respond to a, a query this far out. And especially if infested for whatever reason, usually seek out cities then yeah like it's just they're just sort of like yeah that that kind of thing just doesn't happen here you know like again kind of like the way i think a lot of rural people would talk about like serial murder or something like that right right Um, or even covid how covid would have affected them versus being in these giant urban centers you know yeah and so uh yeah i just and and again so much of this is just so elegantly communicated with a line or two of dialogue that if you miss it it doesn't even really take away from the overall experience of the film but when when you see what all is there it just it it's almost feels like a piece of clockwork machinery you know everything's so carefully connected uh and i thought it was i don't know i thought it was really really effective like like you said adriana the the machinery that the cleaners used is so strange you know it looks like an alchemist's machine or something like that from the middle ages and and clearly has some kind of use but it's also so esoteric that when jimmy is playing with the one that he finds like the, he, he's not like yeah. oh let's just put this all together and then do the thing and we got right like it's it's very clear that it takes an expert to do this um and then even that you get Mirta saying that you know, for a while, you just had these cleaners who would go find an infected and handle it. And now the infected are fighting back, uh, you know, which obviously is clear because the first cleaner in the movie gets killed, literally cut in half. Right. To me, it almost looked like, I don't know, this whole time, like thinking about what that looked like, it looked like something Da Vinci would have created right. to, to <laughs> travel. Yeah. To travel, to go around the world to explore the world and it almost seemed like some sort of map reader or um star finder um and that's what it looked like for me so i was so i was so waiting for them to use it and then it didn't happen and i also think that um i think both pedro and jimmy are maybe agnostic so they believe but they don't or they're they're struggling with that. I mean, because there's a moment where Pedro yells, "The churches are done. There's not there. There is no church. There's no one coming. Get over it." Yeah. And it's almost like, okay, so this man believes that there's possession, right? That there's someone that's infested, but also fuck the church. <laughs> like, well, but that, so, that's not good. That's not real. So honestly, the way I read that was that the whatever these things are, they're not demons in a way that the church has any efficacy over them. Well, and I mean, the tagline of the movie is truly there's no point in praying. So there's at least <laughs> like them. Yan had something to say about that, too, because, yeah, prayer isn't going to do anything for you. It's not going to save you. It's not going to protect you. Holy water. Right. All of the the crucifixes, those things are not the things that are going to help you. You have a very specific marked like rules that have come into play and and all of the exorcism stuff is not it. Well, let's talk about those rules. Uh, Adriana, you were kind enough in your most recent watching of the film to chronicle them again for us. There are seven rules. And again, 
just like the machines, no explanation for where these rules came from, if we're sure that they all are accurate. Uh, and the brothers didn't know them, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's it doesn't even seem like everyone knows these rules. Uh, but right. but as far as we can tell, they mostly were effective. So the first one is that uh, you don't use electric lights because the spirits or the the whatever the bichos are drawn to the shadows created by electric lights yeah Um, so what they can show up as a shadow which is created only by these electric lights so that's how they are able to come into your space your home around you is because if you're using these electric lights they're able to manifest into a shadow yeah uh, number two is stay away from animals. My guess on this rule was because like what we saw with the dog, right? Like the animals, it's easy for them to get infested and then easy for them and the to goat. Spread. Yeah. The goat. Well, yeah. Well, it's goat... an easy brain to manipulate. Right. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. The goat was behind a fence. So I'm, I was less worried about the goat than I was about the dog. Right. But his behavior it's was. Old goat. When... I mean, he shot the, the shotgun, right? And all the goats were like, ah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not saying the goat wasn't infested. It was clearly infested. I'm saying it's on the other side of a fence, so whatever. Whereas that dog right in the house. Right, but it's mostly the taunting. Um <laughs> I think it's mostly the taunting. It's and it's the hi, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? And that's very scary. Uh number 3, never take anything that's been close to a possessed person. Again, it seems like they can sort of spread like a virus and so we saw that the the dog got infected because of Pedro's clothing. Um, yeah, that's what watching, I was going to say. He was right? he was sniffing the clothes and and kind of all over Pedro's clothes and he never paid attention. He knew he wasn't supposed to take the the clothes with him, which is why he got butt naked and asked for <laughs> his ex-wife's new husband to give him clothing very aggressively. Um, what a dummy. But then the dog is like sniffing everywhere in the clothes. And yeah, that's that's where I got him. Uh, the next one, do not hurt them. Now, this is different from don't use firearms. But I didn't. I, I mean, again, right. I don't understand what this one was about. Was it just because that's an easy way to get infected? Um, no, I think it's because they come back to as as almost like it's almost like you taunting them and they're trying to show you that they're stronger so she says it in spanish she she says no los lastimes so do not hurt them uh meaning just stay away from them just stay away from anything remotely close to it if you hurt them i mean yeah you're risking getting infected yourself because you're touching them you're around them and also you could risk killing them and furthermore their wounds like don't matter they keep walking through the wounds or keep you know like reanimating as we saw with jimmy exactly yeah uh the next one never name it so this was about not speaking the name of evil because that draws their attention and then grandma Um, starts naming them all (laughs) Uh, and then never don't use firearms on them right so if you're going to kill them you have to use uh you know beat them to death with like an axe or something like that dismember them but if you shoot them that spreads it more quickly that's an automatic uh transfer of demon to person so yeah Uh, and so, yeah, we saw each of these rules broken. We saw the consequences of them in what felt like really normal, organic ways. Uh, I, again, given that we were dumped all, oh, and sorry, we should go to the last, the last one, which, uh, 
grandma was cut off, but then Myrta mm-hmm. said it later. She said, don't be afraid. She said, don't, don't be afraid, afraid to, to die. die. Yeah, but I mean, then it yeah. got broadened out, right? To like, they 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 are attracted to your fear, right? Yes. So why did Pedro's uh, ex-wife who was dead come to get his son? It was because he was specifically afraid that she would come and take them back, right? And yes, so like, that's, that's exactly why. what happened. And, and, you know, he said, why did they come for me and not for you? And she said, well, it's because you're the one that was afraid, right? Yeah. So if you're not afraid, they can't manipulate you is, is basically the rule there. Um, which, again, I think was really an interesting thing that that they get inside your brain, they read your thoughts, and they know you better than you know yourself. And then they use that against you. Also, very scary. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. Uh, and we see that manifest in a number of really troubling ways throughout the film. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I'd love to hear kind of at, let's let's kind of move through the film. What some of your favorite slash least favorite <laughs> most traumatic. Um, so the first the first like real intense moment for me was when we meet Uriel, the uh, the first Im- infected or infested. Right. And when uh-huh. they're carrying him out of the house. Oh, so yeah uh when they're moving uriel out of first of all (laughs) i can see i can see how so many mistakes are made at the beginning because if you're like a skeptic in any way it's going to be hard to believe anyway and you see uriel and you think wow this guy has some sort of bacterial infection Something's going on with him physically. No one's taking him to the hospital, which is something I think that Pedro or Jimmy say, like, why hasn't he been taken to the hospital? How long has he been this ill? Because they're not quite sure of what is happening. So as they're moving along (laughs) and learning from what is happening, it's not until really serious things are like happen and they see that they realize, okay, so this this might be real. This person is infested, is possessed. Um, so yeah, they, they're making mistakes at the beginning. I just really thought, I really truly thought that they would learn from them. I thought if <laughs> anyone, if anyone was going to learn th- throughout this process of trying to save his children, trying to get his family out of town, trying to get as far away from this awful situation in the small town which is why it was so vast but also so isolated and so scary pedro pedro i I mean i just feel like dude this is this is your show figure it out and then he in the dumbest way he is literally hearing the professional that he sought out (laughs) telling him do not listen do not do these things they are tricking you those are no longer children stay with me it's a it's it's a trick do not move he is doing the exact opposite and it is so frustrating because i wanted to take whatever he picked up i wanted to take that and hit him over the head because (laughs) i i mean i was just like i i wanted to yell at the screen pedro fucking stop man like She's telling you, listen, listen, you've seen all these things that can happen when you break all your own rules. Taking like his clothes, he should have walked into his ex-wife's house butt naked. 
mm-hmm. knowing like you're you're taking your clothes into this home and then the dog sniffed him the moment the dog got close kicked the dog away from the clothes no it's just all going down i mean he's just it's almost like he's so in like involved in his own thinking and feelings that it it is very stupidly kind of overpowering any smart judgment that he could have into what the real goal here was, was to save his family. Um, It's like, he's trying to save his family, but also just blind by just dumbness. And that was the most frustrating thing to see. And I, you know, I think Jimmy was just kind of following his brother (laughs) And kind of very, you know, like lost and anything you say, big brother, and kind of going along. But um, it almost seems like he had no information, but more clarity than than Pedro, because he wasn't so focused on on saving. He was just focused on doing what his brother was saying, um, even though he was blinded by the moment where his ex-sister-in-law was literally scooping brains like it was a potato chip bag scooping brain chips out of her own child's head and he that was like a very visceral emotional uh reaction which i feel like maybe i would have done but there you go you go breaking another rule which is hurting them he slams the car into her and she's still alive and looks at him and she's like, but I thought you loved me. And uh, no, so, she said, you said you loved me. You said you loved me. Yeah. Um, but all these rules are being broken and they're all emotional and they're all blinded by all of these feelings that Mirta didn't have. And is probably why she would have stayed alive had she not been mixed up with Jimmy and Pedro because she knew what to do. She wasn't afraid and she knew the rules and they just weren't, I mean, they just kept messing up out of fear and dumb dumbness. Well, and I wanted to give them props because for the first few minutes of the film, like, you know, it opens up in almost Mm -hmm. unintelligible Spanish where I'm having a crisis. (laughs) Like, am I actually fluent in Spanish or not? I don't know. Uh, But they like (laughs) hear some gunshots. They hear noises. They're like, what's going on? What's happening? Could it be on our farm? Is it somewhere else? So they kind of like go out to investigate and then they're like, "Mm, we'll wait until it's daylight. And I'm like, oh. Smart yeah. men, you are there smart you cookies right here. And then they go and investigate and they see half of a body and they start like playing around with the stuff. And I'm like, well, not so smart, but also at least they aren't like fully touching it. They're just sort of like looking at all of the things. And of course they investigate further, go over to Ruiz's property. They go to the police, right? Like they go through what appear to be all of the proper channels of how to care for this like situation mm-hmm. and then it obviously goes very badly and to your point adriana like a series of very very bad decisions starting with <laughs> and like obviously seeing uriel and the like grossness the fact that he all of a sudden just disappears out of the back of the truck and they're like oh snap uh, how long ago was this and was it 20 miles i don't know maybe it was whatever good enough good enough for government work and you know that was horrible uh after the 
poor pregnant wife, we were watching with our friend B and B was like, to be a pregnant person in a horror movie is the most stressful thing ever. Like oh my God. Going on and on like this poor pregnant wife. She has no idea what's going on. And then she freaking axes her husband and then axes herself in the face. And all oh, of us were like, <laughs> that scene. Oh, oh the it was slow, so brutal. very slow axing of her face. <laughs> And we were like, JR, come on. And he's like, trauma warning. <laughs> and then every, <laughs> like every five minutes, he'd be like, trauma warning. <laughs> and so My like bad. You know, there's the dog and then there's the, you know, it just keeps ramping up over and over and over to all of these different, very rough situations that were just so well done. And so to your point, like when they're in the, the church house, or the the schoolhouse the schoolhouse building and they see the lime on the kids feet and the creepy kids and the kids are that's another rule that's technically not an official rule but it's they love kids and kids love like the children evil loves children and children love ftk ftk exactly (laughs) precisely so yeah there were just so many different things that were fleshed out very well and i think very very effective scares i was just very impressed with i so i'll say the probably the three moments in the theater which we've already talked about all we've at least alluded all three of them but the entire sequence with the goats that ends with that the wife axing her face yeah incredibly shocking then the scene where the dog attacks the, the little girl Yep. And drags her body around the house. Like, <laughs> and out in the neighborhood. Yeah. Just again, uh. like that was a scene where you knew it was coming. And then it was still shocking when it happened because it Shaking doesn't her. stop. Like typically movies will cut away, but you have uh. the son who goes in and sees it and he looks under the table and you see the dog shaking her. And then you, then he goes in and tells his dad, his stepdad, and then he runs in and the dog, you know, drags her past him and out the door. So yeah, just like wow, wow. Yep. And then the last one was yeah, when when Jimmy comes upon uh Pedro's ex walking down the street and uh just enjoying some brain snackies. Um yep. <laughs> again, it's one of those where you see her from the back and you're like this is bad. But then when you see it it's like it's worse than I thought. You know, like <laughs> it's and again, yes. I mean, there's, there's a rule, you know, the old Hitchcock rule is never show the monster because it's whatever, whatever's in their head is worse. And this movie three different times managed to make it worse than what I had imagined, uh, you know, and yes. that's that's messed up. <laughs> I wasn't very specific, but those are the three. I think those are the three most memorable scenes of this movie because it's like, you know, what's coming, but like you said, it's still a big mouth wide open gasp, hands to the face. What did I just see? And, you know, sorry, everybody, but kids are not safe in this. And camera does not move away from them. And we see full gore, full snacky brains, full axe to the face for the pregnant lady, full bite to the face for the little girl and then the shaking and the blood splatter. I mean, but I, as it was very shocking and very like intense to see Leo ram his truck into, and I can't remember the wife's, uh, I think Sabrina, wife's Sabrina. Yes. Sabrina. Um, 
the way she exploded and her blood went all over the house. But I think the most memorable are those three instances um, in that order, in the order that they're being played in the movie. And also just they're not cheap jump scares. They're truly shocking, terrifying scenes in the movie. Well, and even Mirtha getting hammered in the face a bunch of times. I mean, that was like the sound effects were done very well. She specifically was screaming at Pedro, do not listen to this little dumb kid that's trying to manipulate you. Don't leave me alone. And he did it anyway. I mean, it was even the reveal that our original Uriel, like Embichado, was underneath the stage. I don't know. Yeah. That... But was then just hanging out up. with all of the dead parents. So uh, gross. So gross. I mean, so and did you guys, did you guys notice how slow all the deaths were? Like these were very slow. The axe to the face was very slow. Like it was just like, it wasn't something that where she just started hacking away. It was very realistic. If, if one was to axe one's own face, yeah. it, that's, that's the, the amount of strength that I think that I would have to be able to lift an ax and like hit it towards my face. But also when they're hammering Mirta's head, it's slow hammering, very hard intense. but if it's very slow, um, the brain situation it's also very slow it's not like some some zombie reaction where it's just like this gruesome biting and ripping it's just very slow biting i mean everything is moving so slow but so fast in this movie that it is it just adds so much more to this fear of all of it it is so terrifying because it is so slow and also very frustrating because when pedro's walking away from mirta as she's yelling, do not leave me alone. <laughs> He's also moving very slowly, just kind of stumbles into so, a room. Let's let's talk about Pedro because yeah. <laughs> we I mean he he clearly he makes what, what all of us consider to be, you know, pretty pretty dumb decisions all the way through. Um and I think it fits his it fits the character that we are meant to read because mm-hmm. you know when he goes to the police station, the police chief says don't make me, you know, or he says, like, give me an excuse to arrest you again. Right. And then mm-hmm. makes these veiled references to his family that we don't quite understand in the moment. But it's pretty clear that Pedro is not a good dude. You know, he probably has been pretty abusive and neglectful. Um, he literally has abandoned his kids for four years. He's not sending him child support or anything like that. And I'm not terribly surprised that he's a misogynist that when Mirta is telling him what to do, he, and he decides he knows better, he's going to do what he thinks is right. Right. Like all of that kind of tracks with the person that we've been introduced to. And, you know, it, it kind of makes me wonder, um, we're not, again, we're never, we're never told why some few people like Mirta, Jimmy and Pedro are immune to being infested, but some of them are. Right. And it's interesting that Mirta was yeah. a con woman and Pedro is kind of an a-hole. So it makes me wonder, you know, is is that it or is it a brain chemistry thing? You know, what's going on? Amanda, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I don't see Pedro as I mean, he wasn't a great dad or a great husband. Obviously, he's divorced. His kids aren't with him. He doesn't have custody. There's clearly some tension there between him and Sabrina. However, I don't see him leaving Mirta as him being misogynist because he knows better. I really think he's just a dumbass that <laughs> in the moment 
was so scared and he was like there's a weapon i'm gonna get the weapon i don't think he's smart enough to be like i'm the man here because at no point does he like does his face show that dominance and that strength mirta is actually very dominant very strong very uh outspoken like she speaks and she you know she commands attention whereas pedro is just kind of like stumbling throughout this movie making mistake after mistake so when he takes off it's mostly him just like no no it's okay i'm gonna go get the axe and it just <laughs> was so dumb to me <laughs> what do you what do you think yeah i mean maybe he's dumb or maybe it's just the underlying machismo that exists right like where he the patriarchy it's a real thing dudes whether they're dumb or not think that they're better than women whether they think about that actually or not who knows but i think even the way he treated his mom where they were just trying to get the damn (laughs) ice cream the the apple flavored (laughs) apple ice cream cream. and she was like maybe thursday like i didn't bring any money because like you guys told me you were gonna pay and so of course i don't have any money so accurate like come on like you don't have any cash on you and she's like no i thought that you were gonna you know, pay for me. You I thought treat this me. Was, this is like a nice treat. <laughs> yeah, a fun like family outing or whatever. And so, yeah, and I mean, even just the way that he treats his mom, again, not poorly because he is under an understandable amount of stress, and I get it. And seeing his, uh, his kids sibling get mauled by a dog you know pretty traumatizing and and all of those kinds of things so i get it but yeah i mean i think i think it's maybe like one third pendejo one third machismo and one third who knows right like he's just and and then here is jimmy just like following behind him like hey big brother i'll do whatever you want like i'm just here for along for the ride so yeah he's just kind of blindly stumbling trying like throughout all of this like i'm gonna save the, the the day but not really listening or paying attention to anything that's going on or what he should be doing but yeah like pendejo is something that i could not stop saying as i'm watching this movie I'd be like <gasps> pendejo mm-hmm. i want to say what you I... just described is misogyny <laughs> misogyny is not intelligent or calculated 90 percent of the time <laughs> I, legitimately it's it's that like pure sense of entitlement that t- that convinces you that the world revolves around you and you're right all the time and you don't have to listen to anyone else yeah i mean yeah but i don't think he's smart enough to even understand that he was being misogynistic he do- no i'm not saying he is either that doesn't yeah. mean he's not being misogynistic yeah yeah it's just dumb. yeah so like a like a full thought of him being like i'm better than you i'm a man it wasn't that it was just he would never he would never say that I don't I think I think he would tell you that he respects Mirta and the work that she does. Yeah. But he clearly does not. No. No, no, because she got hammered to death. Yeah, she yeah. sure did. By those horrifying children. Most misogynists love FTK. their moms and their wives and their daughters. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That is also true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how about Uriel's uh, rotting body just kind of peeking out? Like <laughs> he couldn't lift himself to move, but all of a sudden he can lift himself past all yep. of these like dead bodies just to taunt Pedro some more because he's a full-blown pendejo. So I want to ask you all this. Did you get Evil Dead vibes from this film at all? No, I don't think at any point this film was... In Evil Dead, the, the Deadites were like actively jokingly taunting 
their victims. Whereas here, there was a taunting, but it was a very aggressive, very... Um, Uriel, every time he said, kill me, was because he knew it would spread. So yeah. it wasn't him taunting him, like, I'm making fun of you, which in Evil Dead, I really enjoyed that they were funny, right? But um, funny right before you die. You didn't think Uriel cool. was funny when he poked us out and he's like, Pedro. He has his little head pop floating above the stage. Like Fat Bastard. No, yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was more of like a fuck you. Like, well, yeah. here I am, fuck you. Yeah, but not, I. there's an, a single moment in this film where I remotely thought anything was funny. It was all terrifying. I mean, I definitely got vibes of especially the most recent Evil Dead film, which I will definitely not ever see ever again. Evil Dead Rise. I do want to see that again. (laughs) Where there are very visceral, very gross things that happen. But it's almost like I feel like Deadites, they will continue to harm themselves and self-injure and make themselves like be very grotesque and and cause themselves to the the physical body that they're infesting Mm -hmm. experience even more pain like being burnt or being cut or whatever whereas i feel like in this film there wasn't that there was obviously eating of brains there there was obviously manipulation of other people but not necessarily causing harm to themselves like no i mean i'm not saying they're the they're like identical spirits or that uh rugna is like ripping off evil dead i just in thinking about like all of the different kinds of possession ish films i don't know this felt very evil dead to me in the sense of like bleak hopelessness there's you know once they're infested you can't uninfest them um the most you can do is like kill everyone that's been infested and cross your fingers and then yeah the fact that they were aware in some way and taunting and like feeding on your fears i don't know like i see i see what you're saying i see what you're saying you didn't mean it and like was this like kind of was that moment with uriel kind of funny and like taunty no no, i I see exactly what you're saying when his head pops up i did almost laugh both times <laughs> because as you pointed out it you're like wait what like how you know and it's like the only mm-hmm. explanation is that this is a supernatural thing that's happening to mess with pedro well and pedro uh destroying his head with the tool that mirta was supposed to use mm-hmm. um except she wasn't given the opportunity and we were robbed from seeing that ending right but um him killing him gave birth to right. you know the son of satan the demon baby the demon baby which the entire scene was just a f- like a full-blown gasp in espanol because <laughs> this this he he beats ariel to death which uh, uriel sorry that he's been asking for it right um and he's so desperate because he's an idiot and he just did all this idiotic stuff that killed the only way he was going to stop this which was Mirta he bashes his head in and kneels down almost like I'm exhausted and this child covered in blood comes out and almost as that last taunt you think it's the last one but almost as that last moment of like I won he runs his fingers across his forehead and his head and just leaves that that stain those fingerprints on him and then walks out into the sunshine like yeah 
And then, of course, I don't say it was like that last taunt because then we see his son, Khair or, or Jair, um, start to throw up chunks of his grandmother that he ate after he's eaten and finally gotten his apple ice cream. So, holy crap. Holy Anytime crap. there is hair coming out of someone's throat, like that whole Ugh. like gagging things back out is so gross to me, but it's so effective that I understand why it's a thing because you're just like choking on the thing as it's coming back out. Ugh. And then and it's kind of the stuck necklace, there. Yeah. And then the necklace was obviously very effective, uh, but terrifying. Can we talk about um, Jair Hayer? Uh, he's he's. Uh, very mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's nonverbal. Um, and when he is infested, we are told by Mirta that the demons, when they infest someone like him, often get lost in their brains because their brains they are can't read them. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes they're lost in there forever. Sometimes they do figure them out. And so then there's a scene late in the film where he comes out and talks to his grandma in a, a normal, you know, unaffected voice. Uh, and then he seemingly has regressed when Pedro gets back. Though I would say that the quick glance he makes at Pedro belies that he's actually not, um, he's actually still infested. Yeah. Um, what did you, uh, Amanda, I'm curious what you thought. Do you think this was a, uh, like an exploitative use of autism or, uh, you know, being on the spectrum or what, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's always tricky to skirt those lines. Like I would be really curious to hear from a person that is active, more active in like disability activism and, and rights and able, able-bodied, you know, folks and able, whatever, uh, all of the different terminology that you could use. I thought that it was interesting what they did with it. And my read on the very end was that he was still in Bichado, that he was just sort of pretending. Uh, but Adriana, Adriana and I were talking about it and that was not her read. So I'm curious to hear, you know, you kind of explore that a little bit further in a moment. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I always am a little hesitant in communities where there is an opportunity to cast a person that is has that diagnosis or is that uh gender race sexuality whatever to take that opportunity and it appears as though this particular actor probably was not on the spectrum but was just playing a person that was on the spectrum well, because they had to right because he, so, he had like, to be able to talk normal yeah, and he wouldn't have been able to play yeah right, right. And so I just, yeah, I think I think that it is a fine line you have to walk and have to be very careful. But I thought that the way that it was done was mostly respectful. And so I think that, yeah, a, a more. I would be curious to know what other people think. Is all I'm going to say. What about you, Adriana? What do you think? Uh, touching specifically on that, I I do think um, I do get upset that um, when I see a role being played by someone who is not of a specific thing that they're trying to portray, when there are so many people out there that could play that role, um, whether that be race or um, in this uh, like instance, someone with autism could have 
played that role. He could have been in this movie. However, the moment where he has to speak, which is the moment we all realize that, oh crap, he's, he's possessed. Like it's happened. Like that, that demon figured out his brain. Could an autistic person play this role? Um, someone that they're showing us is, is not high functioning is very, you know, it's very high up there on the spectrum to where he's nonverbal. I don't know if, uh, well, no, you can't get a nonverbal person to suddenly begin to speak. I do think it was done respectfully. I don't think he overplayed this or over, like they, they didn't overdo it. The character, maybe they just, you know, I think he did just enough to to prove a, to us like, hey, this is the situation or to show us this is a person that is playing this role and then just enough to kind of take him out of that role. Um, nothing over the top, which we see sometimes where it's like a over the top race or over the top, you know, character. Um, I, you know, that that's just my opinion on that. Um, so... What was your read at the end? Did you think that he was still Bichado, or did you think that he oh, somehow the, so, the demon was like, nope, can't do this anymore. I'm out. So the other night when we spoke about this, I did not think, I really did think that he was fine. Um, but it also had been about a month since I'd seen the movie. Um, watching it again today, that very quick glance over. Like direct eye contact, right? Yeah. And especially it was it, it happened specifically as the necklace fell and pedro realized what he was looking at jair gives a quick glance over like uh, oops and that He's moment like, right oh, there I'm busted yeah exactly and that moment right there i was just like oh crap he is still like you know like this is still happening so i i thought that once the evil was born now he's here to like do whatever he's going to do. And everybody else is like no longer infested. But from that glance from Jair, that dude was full blown, still actively infested. What I hear is you saying a sequel and I'm here for it. Or a prequel. That prequel would be so interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, so I want to say, like, I I was very nervous when we <laughs> realized that Hire was on the spectrum uh, for all the reasons y'all have said. But mm-hmm. there are a few things that I think the film went out of its way to be really respectful uh, that I want to just kind of run through. Um, first of all, like at no point, like we learned that he's on the spectrum when he's on the screen for the first time. Uh there's no like it, it it is never his his neurodivergence is never presented as a problem Mm-mm. uh literally even though pedro is in a panic trying to get everyone out of the house he just says to the younger brother go wake up your brother which i mean any teenage boy that could be any teenage boy right still yeah, asleep right exactly at like at like nine in the morning um right and then Pedro or uh, uh, the elder son is the one who finds the keys, right? That lets right. them get away. So like he's part of the solution. Uh, he's never presented as um, a problem on the trip. Uh, I, I, I mean, at one point he he pooped his pants and has to be changed. Um, but literally, that's 
they didn't make a big deal or anything no it's almost an excuse like they're like they're like hey we need to stay here hey we need to stay here grandma's saying we need to stay jimmy's saying we need to stay mirta's saying we need to stay and 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 like pedro just won't finally they're like okay well look man he pooped his pants and and pedro's even then like finally whatever fine you know so even that's not presented as like everyone's like not like oh no he's ruined the trip and now we're all you know whereas again i think in in other films they would make a big deal out of the fact that like having to take care of the person who is differently abled is causing problems for everyone, right? Um, and right. that's just not the case here. And then again, Adriana, you actually just said it, what I think the film, the most important thing, you said, oh, I thought he was fine. And what you meant by that was you thought he was still on the spectrum, right? Yeah, yeah I like, thought he was back to being his But you said self. fine, right? Yeah, the film fine. never treats his different ability his disability as a problem he's he's actually scary when he's quote-unquote normal and again horror film has a long sordid history of making monstrosities out of disability or minority status and this film i thought went out of its way to do the opposite of that um yes they had to probably cast someone who's who's neurotypical in order to make the scare work but wow like the fact that we're like oh no he's normal like that he's back to normal that no no i'm saying like oh no he's normal like that's scary right normal being like like normal typical neurotypical like i think that actually says a lot in a and again in a way that's never called attention to in the film right it's not like hey look what we're doing hey look how cool this is like it is just a part of the story and all and 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 all that's made out of his ability is like look there's some people that cannot be infested there's some people who can and then there's some people whose brains are so weird it takes them a while to figure it out okay yeah well that never that's never saying it's good or bad or it's just like yeah it's just different brains you know so i don't know like to Amanda's point, I would love to hear what some of the some of this community has to say about that. But I found it to be a really, really uh, clever and insightful handling of the autism spectrum uh, in a way that I, I was really pleased with, given how nervous I was when that character was introduced. Right. I mean, well, I've just recently been introduced to you know the autism spectrum um, within my home. Um, and with having another family member um, who is on the spectrum um, and then having a, you know, someone within my home be on the spectrum, um, high functioning, it's, you know, to, to your point, I, I never felt watching this and I didn't even think about it until you just kind of um, put it all together right now and articulated it. Um he never, Haid was never an issue. He was never going to make the situation worse. Um, I mean, there are some special needs that he, that they had to meet, like changing him because he pooped his pants um, and really just getting him the ice cream, which the only way they got him out of the house and to give the keys. So he's still a kid enough in there that when they said like, Hey, if you give me the keys, we can go get some apple ice cream. And he grabs his dad's hand and puts it on the keys. Um, I, yeah, I think I think 
it, he was never portrayed as a as a as a problem as a way that we're gonna get in trouble um which turns out his dad was the one that messed everything <laughs> up um, but no i i never saw it like and when i when i said yeah he's fine like he's back to normal i meant him being on the spectrum well all that to say i think that we have beat this movie to death in the sense that <laughs> it freaking rules it was great highly recommend a plus or at least an a and yeah especially with the next few days of spooky season remaining it could be a film of all ages whenever you not not of all ages wow. as anyone can watch it but uh <laughs> of any time of year if you want to have horrible and horrifying nightmares so yeah we do that to ourselves year long that's right that's right well, our next film is still going to be Willy's Wonderland because we already recorded it before we bailed on Five Nights at Freddy's. So and I will say it's at least as contentious as our Exorcist episode. So we were spicy. Yeah, um, this one, it was nice. We were all on the same page, but we were real divided on the Exorcist episode. We'll divide it again on Willy's Wonderland. So we'll see you next week for that. That'll wrap up our spooky season coverage. So stick around to find out what we're going to be covering in November. And until next time, take care of yourselves out there. Don't get infested. And of course, whatever you do, don't split up. In every horror movie, the first rule of survival is... La, la, la.